listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and today we have David Leo with us. We're broadcasting. Hi, David. How are you going? Good. I'm well. Thank you. Happy Monday, everyone. Yeah, happy Monday. We're broadcasting live from uh, Tasmania, right across Australia, and uh, we've got David in Devonport, Tasmania. I'm in Hobart. So what's the uh, weather been like up there, David? It's been Actually, quite nice. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So um, we're really happy about this. We're meant to be heading into winter soon, but uh, yeah, anyone would think it's we've had a couple spring. of yeah, we've had a couple of really nice days down in Hobart here. Yeah. Uh, so David, uh, your uh, series entitled "Encounters with Jesus." Today, we're going to be talking about the woman at the well from John yes. chapter four. But uh, before we get into that, just a couple of things. What have you been up to in the last week? Uh, been, been exciting times. I um, was recently in Brisbane. And I went up to baptize my niece and also celebrate her 21st. Wow. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, it is awesome. You know, this niece of mine that, that recently turned 21, I still remember when she was in year nine and she had a chat to me about, um, how she thought, you know, she can see herself as an adult and she doesn't think that Christianity and life, uh, life as a Christian's for her. And, uh, you know, we, we got to talk about things and she was just exploring and, and journeying and, not sure what what she wanted to do, but because of the influence of uh, her church community, and also um, a really important, significant thing that happened was uh, an older a girl, about uh, probably five or six years older than her, took her under her wing, and that became a huge turning point for for my niece, and uh, she chose to be a disciple of Christ. Mm, that's great. Oh, it's beautiful. Now, uh, David, just uh, before our program started, you were telling me about something that you really enjoy about your home place of uh, origin. <laughs> yes, I'm really happy. One of my church members uh, that that stays in uh, Westbury, she has Fijo trees. Yeah. And if you don't know what Fijoas are, it's a, a fruit that I thoroughly enjoy. My family thoroughly enjoys it too, but... I love it so much because uh, I think it's it reminds me of home and uh, back in New Zealand all coming in a house. They're, they're common in New Zealand, I believe. I know my wife uh, really enjoys the Fajoas and uh, she she lived there for a while. I wish I could give her some of mine. Yeah, and yeah, share these Fijoas that we have. Well, we recently went to a, um, there's a church in Westbury as well that has these Fijoa trees, and we went and asked the priest and said, "Hey, can we pick some Fijoas?" He said, "Yeah, sure." So we've come come home with bags of them, and wow. uh, yeah, it just reminds me of um, reminds me of my home back in New Zealand. We had six Fijoa trees all in one line, and every day we went with buckets when the season was right, filled up our buckets, and. Just eight fijoas and so. How would you describe the flavour of a fijoa? Wow. Well, it's it's uh, it's like a guava fruit. The yeah. flavour. It's a, it's a very. It's got a powerful smell to it. A perfume smell. Um, I've shared it with other Australians that they haven't really enjoyed it, but in Tasmania, um, the people of my team, you know, Tasmanians seem to seem to like it. Well, well if you're ever <laughs> but, down in Hobart, you can uh, you can share a couple of fijoas with my wife. <laughs> For sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain the taste. All I can say is it, ta- it, it tastes awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Now, now, David, uh, up in uh, Devonport starting this week, you've got a uh, health and wellness program starting. Tell us a little the, bit more about that. The Livermore program, uh, the Livermore project, yes. Um, it's uh, a 10-week ten week program, and it's it's not so stringent. It's, um, it's for the, the, the whole purpose is for people to come together 
and hold each other accountable. And every week we've got a, um, a specific task or challenge to take on. For example, there's a challenge to get more sun and get more, um, it's more green and more blue. And what it means is get outdoors more. Yeah. And so we record, you know, we, and we tell our group what we did to go out and, um, and get more green and more blue. There's another challenge that says affirm somebody. Tell somebody that, you know, you compliment them on whatever they're doing, a stranger or whoever, and that's the challenge. And the purpose is after 10 weeks, you continue doing these things because it's good for our physical, mental, and emotional wellness. And I guess the idea is to try to establish a pattern and a habit and and what have you during that 10 weeks. That's right. That's a very good uh, use of words to change our habits and create good habits. Yeah. Mm. So if you want to know more about that, you can text us in at our show number. Now, our number, which you can use for various uh, means of communication with us uh, via a text message, is 0488880891. And if you want to know more about the Live More project, you can text Live More, one word, Live More, mm-hmm. to 0488880891, and we'll send you a link to the website where you can get more information and you can register if you're interested in attending. And if you're listening not from Devonport or near that area, there's uh, many other events running around Tasmania and uh, you can get information about all of those dates and where they are from that website address. So we hope that uh, you can join us in one of the locations that we're running, uh, the mm. Livemore Project. I think it'll be well worth it. So, David, um, I guess it's time. we better make a start into our, our program today, The Woman yeah. at the Well. Yes, let's do it. Oh, let me say a quick prayer before we um, start the story. Yeah. Father in heaven, as we engage in this story, uh, there, are, there are many that are listening to this to the story, and I pray, Father, we can get an encounter with Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read from John 4. We, we went John 3 last week, and uh, John 4 this week, and it's titled, this, the, the, uh, we've entitled today, The Woman at the Well, so I'm starting at verse 1. And it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Mm, okay, there's a few uh, few interesting things in there. I, I yep. remember the uh, Samaritan, um, the story of the Good Samaritan. Ah, yes. The parable where obviously there's issues between Samaritans and Jews and uh, Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's uh, Jesus, uh, what's interesting, you know, you're in Hobart in the south. I'm in Devonport in the northwest, right? Yeah. And... Um, there's a there's a highway highway number one that we that goes right through the middle. You've driven that before, haven't you? Jesse? Many many times. Yeah. So so in the middle, there's a town called Campbelltown. Do you yes. stop there and have a break? 
quite often. Sometimes? Yeah, often. Off, yeah, if, it's I'm often not, the place. if I'm not running late, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the middle town, right? It's a good place and, to uh, uh, stop and uh, visit the toilet and get a drink and what that's have you. right. Yeah. Correct. For a lot of travellers, they go from north to west or uh, north to south or, or vice versa. But um, what the Jews would do? Let's imagine Campbelltown is Samaria, right? What they would do is they would go the east coast or the west coast and go around Campbelltown to come to Devonport. Now, why would they do that? That seems illogical. Because they want to avoid the Samaritans. Wow, okay. Yeah, they have a, they have a deep-rooted um, history where in the past, you know, Israel was divided into uh, the northern kingdoms, which were there were ten tribes, and the southern kingdoms where there was two tribes. And uh, they both have their own versions of the story. And the Jews believe that when the Assyrians came and conquered uh, the north, northern kingdom, they took away some Jews and brought back some Assyrian foreigners and they mixed with some of the Jews that were left behind. So there was an intermixing of uh, Assyrians and Jews. Whereas the Samaritans, their version of the story is, no, the ones that returned were, were true Jews as well. But um, the ones in the south, they believed they had God's land. And the ones in the north had this mishmash of not just mishmash of Assyrians and Jews intermarrying, but also their religion. All these new uh, gods and stuff were were given. You know, they they said they still worship the God of Moses, but the ones of South said, "No, you don't. You don't worship the same God. You guys have a mishmash of culture and and whatnot." And so Jesus, Jesus, not only went and spoke to them, these people that the Jews said, let's don't mix with them. They've, they've got the wrong religion and the wrong out, uh, outlook of life and whatever. He crosses through the middle and not only does he do this, he speaks to a woman which is out of you know, cultural practice. You're not meant to do that. A man's not meant to engage with this woman that's not her, not his wife mm. you know, or his daughter. You know, it's not a it's it's not right to do that. So, so there's def- definitely a few uh, protocols being broken here. Yeah, there's cultural protocols that Jesus decided to, and and the Bible says he had to cross there. So it's like he had to speak to this woman. Yeah, I was going to say, well, why did he have to? Is the question. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it gives you an insight. Yeah. You know, if Jesus is going to reach you, he's gonna he's gonna do what it takes. Yeah. To get your attention. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's it's a lovely, it's a beautiful thing about our Jesus. Well, I reckon that's a great place to take a break, and uh, we'll come back. And there's more to this story we haven't finished yet. Absolutely, yeah. So let's have a listen to this song. It's a fantastic song by Torrin Wells called "Known." I'm fully known and loved by 
title is just called Known and uh, I think it's quite relevant to this story because as we get into this we realise that Jesus knew a lot more about this woman that she, than she would have mm-hmm. ever guessed but uh, let's not jump the gun there hey um, <laughs> so be- just before the break we were talking about how uh, Jesus went out of his way to come and speak to this woman yeah um, and, and you know you wonder why why would you go? Why would he go out of his way for this particular woman? And we're about to see as we read more into the into the Bible that uh, this woman is craving something more than the water she's about to get to the well, uh, get at the well. Um, and not only this, it's we're about to find out that uh, Jesus is going to build a bridge and open up the floodgates where he is going to be uh, not only enter a city of Samaria, he's going to be invited at the uh, at the desire and, and the um, enthusiasm of the people of the city. They're asking a Jew, come into our city after being, you know, after all this racial tension, if you like, mm. this, this history, this tradition of racial tension, these people now say, because of this woman, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you look at the way that Jesus operates, works with one person and gets permission or, you know, gets uh, gets this open invitation from all the people because of this woman. And we're going to find, we, we find out a little snippet of her life. And uh, what's interesting about the well, you know, this meeting at the well. Yeah. When you, she mentions, uh, uh, just in 11, I'll just read 11 and 12 really quickly. It says, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? And she asked the question, Are you greater than our father Jacob? So she claims history as a Samaritan. She claims history just to Jacob as well. Mm. And says, He gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his livestock. You look at Jacob and you go back to that history. Jacob and Rachel 
Do you know where they met? In Genesis 29? At the well. They met at the well. Hmm. And then Isaac, Isaac and Rebecca, right? Yeah. This is the father. <laughs> yeah. The way that Isaac and Rebecca met was by a servant having a test at the well. Yeah. Finding a wife, right? Yeah. And right. then we have Moses and Zipporah. This is where, this is where the Samaritans and the Jews kind of, uh, come to an agreement because the Samaritans only look at the first five books of the Torah uh, of, of the Bible and um, Moses and Zipporah also met at the well right and so Jesus and this woman are meeting at the well they're engaging in conversation and you can see why this it seems inappropriate for them to for others to look on and go whoa why is this not only is this a man talking with this woman at the well but he's also a Jew, <laughs> yeah. and she's a Samaritan. What what could they possibly have to talk about? Mm. And and so you see, this woman she doesn't she doesn't disengage from the conversation. She actually carries it on, and I I, I have the sense you know that she's quite confident and bold, and she she knows how to engage men. Yeah, and uh, we kind of we kind of work it out later on. But if if, if you want, if you could read. Um, if you could read the from, next couple of verses, please. 13, yep. Yeah. It says, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Wow. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I, that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Mm. So it looks like, uh, you know, this was a, a bit of a tedious job for her. She had to go getting the water. It, it wouldn't have been much fun. We, we These days, we just turn the tap on. Yeah, that's but, right. Uh, in those days, they had to go and get it from the well. But um, I think you, earlier you were saying something about, you know, the time of day that, that this was happening as well. Yeah, the Bible tells us it's the sixth hour, and the sixth hour is noon. So she's coming in the middle of the day. She makes an she makes an effort, you know, every day to come at noon time, and that's the hottest time of the day. And and you ask yourself, why would she come in the hottest time of the day, right? And the reason for that, we haven't got there yet in in the uh, story, and we're about to get there. Is um, there's a, there's another reason for her w- w- not wanting to draw water from there anymore, and uh, you know, like you said. For us, it may be inconvenient. For them, it was probably just everyday life. They knew that that's what you have to do to get water. But the best time to come and get water... Would have been uh, when it was cooler. Yeah, that's right. It's like, um, I don't know about you, uh, Jason, do you have a fireplace here in uh, in your home? I don't have a fireplace in my new home. I used to have one in the previous home there, yeah. Oh, okay. Then you'll understand that uh, when you go to gather firewood, um, you don't go out in the... In the middle of the day, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't. Or you don't go down first thing in the morning or late at night because it's too cold to go get the fire, oh, you know, yeah, the in, firewood. You know, in winter, so you, yes, yeah. yeah. You choose, you choose the times you go out, and so people in the Middle East, when it's uh, when it's hot, they they go in the morning, early morning when it's cool, to get their water yeah. for the day, right? So they've got the day set up. This woman, she's worked out a routine where she's going to forfeit the first few hours of the day without water. And come when everyone's left the well. Yeah. So she comes when it's when it's got the wall clear. <laughs> and this particular day, she comes and she must have been thinking, 
what's this man doing here? Mm. <laughs> he, he's he's uh, he's not meant to be part of the routine. And uh, you know, she must have felt quite awkward. And not only did the man just sit there, he spoke. Give me a drink, please. Yeah. All right. And uh, the reason why she doesn't like coming down, we're about to. Um, well, let's let's read this. Let's read this first. Um, Sixteen. And here's something else. I sometimes read through this, and I've read a commentary as well that uh, this woman was possibly um, speaking in a flirtatious language, thinking, you know, just entertaining. Uh, this man uh, you know, okay. oh where, where is this water from oh is that right you know show, show me where this water is so I don't have to count you know this kind of this um, this banter yeah but things are about to change it's, it's about to get really serious yeah so if, if you could read 16 16 to um, Let's read 16 to 19 please okay. yeah so Jesus said to her go call your husband and come here the woman answered him I have no husband and Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Well, that was very, uh, that was very, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Intelligent. Well, intelligent of her. <laughs> that he's just told her uh, something that he had no way of knowing. So, yeah. Yeah. That's right, and and he's, he he kind of he kind of set her up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, you know, I'll, "I'll banter the way you like to banter." Yeah. But she he came he came for her, and she was you know when when you know how to engage and when you know the the uh, the protocol you know how to engage, and then suddenly he makes a beeline. He says, "Well, I'm I'm about to get get to a place where you're not comfortable with." Yeah. And um, you know we we're gonna you're gonna share some things with me, and he gets straight to the point. That's right. You've had five husbands. You know, and, and he's telling you, this is why I know that you don't want to come here to draw water anymore. Who wants to come to a place that, is, that has a gathering of people that are just going to talk about you when you walk there to draw water? Hmm. You're coming for the necessities of life, and people are talking about, oh, look, at this year's again, the one that can't find a man. You know, <laughs> For some reason, she, she just can't settle down, and no man wants her, and now she's with a man that's not even her husband. You know, she's never, and she doesn't want to hear this. She doesn't want to be part of that type of community. Mm. And so she comes when nobody's there. But at the time that she comes, she encounters the one that is the the center of community, mm. <laughs> the one that created community. And he's about to restore her life. He's about to say, "There's no other husband that you need, but me. Mm. I'm the only. I'm, I'm the only husband that's going to change your life and give you this living water." And now she says, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she tries to divert the conversation again. She have, does, have a, yeah. Yeah, have, have a read of it. She, she goes from, Oh, show me this, show me this water. Yeah. This is amazing that you, you, you have this understanding. Um, you know, another guy probably trying to flatter me with, I offer you the world. You know, I've heard all of this before. And then he makes this, this uh, mention. And now she wants to enter theology. Yeah. And she was into theology. Do do you want to read on at the moment? Do you want me to get Oh, yes, please. Yes, yes. So it says, uh, Sir, I perceive you that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is... Sorry, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, 
for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Now, I know that uh, we're going to be talking about this a little bit later, so I reckon we should go to a break and we'll contemplate some of that stuff about mm. uh, those questions about worship. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's going to be our main topic for our next discussion after the that's break. That's right. That's right. So let's, let's take that. a break. Now, I'm just going to uh, remind you that um, today's free giveaway is a little book called Real Peace, Real Answers, and you can text us in a bit later. I'll give you the code. You can text us in, but I'll give you the number right now zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one for the book real peace real answers and uh, i'll just read a little bit about the book it says real peace real answers offers words of help and hope to all who are seeking to understand how to come to jesus and experience a personal relationship with him it combines ellen white's beautiful description of god's love and saving grace with meaningful questions about salvation answered clearly straight out of the bible so real peace real answers that's our book coming up and uh, in the next segment or uh, yeah probably in the next segment or maybe after the next break we'll give you the code and you can text us in to receive that book but right now let's go to this break uh this song it's called i know where there's water by sonia isaacs
Beautiful song that's very relevant to our topic today called I Know Where There's Water. Mm. Now, David, we just read this passage where it talked about uh, verse 21 of chapter 4 of John says, uh, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming whether neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. And you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So we're going to unpack that now and uh, I'll let you uh, lead the way. Yeah, so um, this, this uh, as we said, she entered into a theology discussion and says, uh, you Jews, you worship at, at uh, Jerusalem. And we worship at Mount Gerizim. And, uh, you know, the Samaritans had set up a uh, temple, which was a copy of the uh, Jerusalem temple. And that has history there as well. And so, um, you know, you think that Jesus would enter, Jesus would enter this discussion and say, no, we've got the right temple. You know, you got the wrong one. Yeah. But he doesn't. He does make mention, though, that the Jews have, um, that the salvation has been shown to the Jews. So there's something about that. And there's a, there's a, a text in Hebrews 4 verse 2, if, you want, uh, if somebody wants to check that out sometime as well. It says that Jews come from other uh, faith. Uh, salvation comes through the Jews, but they didn't exercise faith with it. And so you ask the question, what does that mean? And so Jesus says, there's coming a time where uh, you, those buildings don't matter. Mm. The temples don't matter anymore. You'll be worshipping in spirit and truth. So the question is, what does that mean? If you if you compare it to Hebrews four verse two, and it says that they that the Jews have salvation but didn't mix it with faith, well then spirit and truth must have something to do with faith, right? Um, Paul makes mentions in Philippians three verse three that that Christians worship by uh, worship God in His Spirit, and which makes mention of the Holy Spirit. So there is when it comes to worship. It's not the place that matters so much anymore, but how people worship. Yeah. That they worship in the leading of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will, will reveal things to us, but not only uh, through the Holy Spirit revealing things, th- uh, revealing things through, to us, but also it needs to be about truth. I mean, it needs to be about who God really is, not something that we conjure up ourselves and we create our own God, right? So there needs to be both those things, spirit and truth, not just spirit by itself, you know, like it feels good, it looks good, uh, I like the way it looks and feels, so I'm going to worship that, or just coming with truth and not without the Holy Spirit, yeah. you know, so, and, and, and Jesus says, you're going to do the same, you're going to do both these things, yeah. worship in the spirit and the truth, uh, truth of what's happening. So, obviously in those Times in the particular times that we're talking about in, in Jesus' time, that the Jews had their temple in Jerusalem, and that was, you know, the of such a significant place. That's where they went Absolutely. to uh, sacrifice, you know, to ask for forgiveness for their sins. Uh, it's where they went to worship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and it was a very significant place. And obviously, this woman is is saying that, well, hang on, we worship here, they worship there, and Jesus is saying, well, hang on, it's. Uh, it's different. It's going to be different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that's right. But one thing we, we have to acknowledge here, it's um, worship is such an important part of knowing who God is. 
Mm. Uh, when it comes to worship, we you know, the, the 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 master of all this. I'm going to look at two people. One that's uh, mentioned here is, uh, uh, I mean, we, when we go back to the history of the Samaritans, the Jews would claim history to to Abraham. Abraham did something did something really interesting. Everywhere he traveled, there were two things that he always always uh, always made when he came to a certain place. He always made an altar and praise and thanks to the Lord, and he always had a well. And it's interesting. Every time a traveler would come past his camp and ask him, "Is it okay if I can get some drink, uh, get uh, get some water from your well for myself and the cattle?" And Abraham will say, "Yes." You can come and uh, you know drink from this well. They would then see this altar that's not like the pagan altars. It's not like the altars of every other nation. And they would ask the question, listen, what's with that altar? And he would say, oh, this is an altar to the, the God that, is, that has made a promise to me, made this covenant with me. And uh, I sacrifice animals to him. And I was like, you mean you didn't do it in the temple? You just threw it out here in the altar? Yeah, this is, you know, I, this is where I make my sacrifices. And so he gets to witness every time he worships <laughs> through this well, you know. So the well becomes a place where people ask questions, and then you know he he, he gives things that are uh, the necessities of life, and then he can talk about his God. Mm. And then we come to this this other character, King David, or even when David wasn't even a king, even when he was just a young boy. And there's a, a book called Psalms that have been that has been. The majority of it has been dedicated to David writing these psalms, mm. and these these psalms or or poems or songs, they were used by the Jewish nation to worship. They actually they actually use these things to read out aloud, and uh, use them as a as a psalm of worship. And uh, one of my favorites, and, and and we should do the same. I think if it's good enough for a whole community to use for worship, then it's good enough for us. And Psalms twenty seven. It's one of my my uh, my favorites, you know. I'll just tell you the first the first uh, few um, verses, and then you'll go. Oh, I think I've heard of this. And it says, "The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid?" Just a couple of verses. So these these are sounds from David, and this is worship to God. And worship it uh, clearly identifies who we are and who God is. When we, we say, God, you are the God of the universe that created all these things. You're the so worship is is incredibly significant, right? So I just wanted to make that point. And uh, what's what's amazing is worship was here before we were created, and worship will be here when Jesus comes yeah. and in eternity. Worship will continue. Hmm. So if there's a time to learn how to worship, it's it's now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just uh, you know thinking about that concept of worship where. We we call uh, churches churches, okay, and um, but uh, there's a I guess there's a another term that often people use, which is a place of worship, yeah. and or a, a house of worship. That seems to be a, a common term as well. So it's um, it's a place, but of course it's not bound to that place, is it? We no, don't we not. don't have to go physically. Whilst it's nice to go and and congregate with others who are also worshiping, we don't have to worship um, in a church. We could be worshiping uh, on a mountain, or we could be worshiping in a field, or, or even Absolutely. even in our room at home. 
Absolutely. My, my, my father, um, I didn't get to tell the whole story, but the reason why he uh, got to study the Bible for himself, he's from a Catholic background, so he never read the Bible. He just listened to what the priest says. And there was a gentleman at lunchtime, there was a gentleman um, when they took a break at lunch, he would have this pamphlet open every day and have the Bible next to it. And yeah. my, my dad asked him, hey, what's what's that? And as you know, Jason, um, both of us are Seventh-day Adventists, we have, a, we have a thing called a Sabbath school pamphlet lesson. Yes. And it gives us daily uh, daily readings and studies to, to go through. And so my dad asked him, and my dad was searching it. My dad wanted, you know, his life didn't feel right. You know, and he was thinking, man, I need to change my life. And so he asked him, what, what is that? And he explained, and this gentleman explained it to him. And my dad started studying the Bible through that. Yeah, you know, and so and so this man's worshiping at his workplace. Yeah, wow. You know, so it happens awesome. anywhere. Yeah. yeah, and at the same time, I don't want to misconstrue this. You know, there's a popular understanding that um, there are some people that have been hurt by the church community, M- probably much like this lady that we're talking about at the well, this woman yeah. at the well, and uh, they say, "Look, I don't need the church anymore. I don't need this community yeah. anymore. I just want to worship at home." But there right. is a purpose, and the and the Bible Absolute. also calls us to to congregate together and gather together, and, and it certainly uh, does. Yeah. It certainly so. does. You know, uh, Leviticus talks about a holy convocation, a holy gathering. Yes, you know that they, they come together in this holy gathering. Yeah. Acts, the church in Acts, yes, two forty two. It says that they one of the key factors was fellowship. You know, we can never do things in isolation. We, you know, uh, there's a difference between isolation and solitude. But when it comes to when it comes to worship and sharing the gospel message, man, we need we need the support of our family and community. You know that's uh, yeah. that's really important. And when you worship as a community, oh man, uh, just just this last Saturday afternoon at the, the Dallarine Church, you know, we we sang some songs. We had some organized songs. I think it was three of them, and I was, I was ready to keep on going. I was thinking, man, let's sing another one. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, it's something about worshiping as a community that just really strengthens the bones. Yeah, yeah that definitely is. It's it's a, it's an experience that, um, you know, I guess if you're unfamiliar with, it, it could even be a daunting experience. But uh, f- you know, when you start to experience that real uh, sense of worship within with a group of people singing and praising it's uh, it's a very powerful oh. experience it's it's uh, one of my passions really absolutely you yeah. start to experience what it means to drink from the eternal eternal waters yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. um we're going to go to another break shortly and i'll just remind our listeners of the offer for today real peace real answers zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one and uh, the last part of this book contains answers directly from the bible about can we trust the bible you know, why all the suffering and pain in this world? How do humans escape sin and death? How can we be saved? Heaven is for real. The the promise of Christ's return, how can we know when the second coming is near? These are all pretty big questions. What about God's law? What is the role of grace in the plan of salvation? One special day for God. What is the origin of, you know, Sunday worship, which uh, most churches uh, do worship on Sunday, and we're talking about worship here as well today. Yeah. You know, why yep. be baptised? What happens when we die? You know, all of these big questions. So I'd encourage you to text in. I'll give you the code after the break, and uh, 0488880. Eight nine one. We're going to have a listen to this uh, beautiful song. It's actually a medley of two different songs. It's called uh, Ten Thousand Reasons" and "What a Beautiful Name" by Caleb and Kelsey.
Listening to Faith FM, Tassie Encounters with David Leo, and I'm your host Jason Cook. Um, we've been talking about the woman at the well, and uh, we're just about to uh, finish that segment off. But before we do, I did promise the code to our book giveaway today. The book titled "Real Peace, Real Answers," and the code is Logos Number One. That's L O G O S, and the number, the digit number one. No spaces. If you text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, we will get that book sent out to you. So logos number one, logos one, and uh, yeah, we'll get that out to you as soon as we can. Now, David, uh, we've got a little bit left in this passage. We haven't quite finished. No, we haven't. So let's um, we, we I think we left off at twenty four, worshiping in spirit and truth. So yes. Uh, Jesus responds to her, uh, her her mention of, oh, I know where you worship and we worship here. And then he says, well, God is spirit and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. And then she says something else. Um, I'll, I'll read it, Jason. Okay. He says, uh, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you 
am he. Wow. And so, yeah. That, that, so would, have, that would have blown <clears throat> her away, I reckon. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and there was um, there was stark evidence that there's something about him that is peculiar, that he was able to talk about her life and read into the into what was hurting her, the weaknesses, the, the things, the reason why she avoids people. Mm. You know, she lives in this town and she's probably a timid woman because of it. She's not the same as she used to be. She's experienced things, mm. you know. Things have happened to her. And, you know, when Jesus enters this uncomfortable conversation, then she comes with this this hope. I actually hold on to the hope that the Messiah is coming. And we'll, you know, I'm looking for freedom. I, when the Messiah comes, then I'll experience what freedom is. Mm. And then he says, I, I am. <laughs> the one you're I'm, speaking I'm about. I'm the one. I've come. Yeah. I came here just for you. Mm. And and this is, I think, the first time, is it, that, that Christ revealed himself as the Messiah? Is yeah. Right? Yeah, other times he says, oh, don't say anything, you know. Yeah. Just, and uh, for this woman, he says, well, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell her, tell her who um, he is." Yeah. And and you jump down to verse 28. Um, well, hopefully, readers can read this for themselves. This is an awesome story. Yeah. But it says, you know, the whole purpose of the woman to come to the well was to get water, right? Yep. <laughs> and then it says in verse 28, so the woman left her water jar. She left the water jar. Just left it there. Didn't even get the water. <laughs> she yeah. She didn't do what she came to do. Her whole routine had been changed because Jesus. So their response, "I am He." It threw her she, off. Threw her off balance there for a bit. That's right. And she believed in what He said. Yeah. She accepted. I believe you are the Messiah. The way He spoke to her, the way He encountered her, the way He He responded in such a way that. She spoke in, he spoke into her life, you know, most of us would be offended, but she knew for some reason she's, he's bringing this up for my healing. Mm. You know, the Messiah has come to free me from this, this thing that's happened to me. And listen to the other part. It says, she left her water jar and went away into town and so, said to the people, yeah. She was avoiding the people before, wasn't she? Yep. Now she's now she's wanting to <laughs> tell them. <laughs> now she wants to tell them, and she says, "Come see a man who told me all that I ever did." Can this be the Christ? She's asking the question. Could could this be him? And it says they went out of the town and were coming to him. So the woman, this woman that he engaged with, she's now opened up this door. And you know now they're coming him. They, they, the town are coming to him. Samaritans. They would have. Yeah, I was going to say they. They would have been the Samaritans that uh, didn't want to talk to Jews. That's right. So exactly. now all of a sudden they're coming. They're coming to a Jew. Mm. You know they're coming to a Jew, and and you could imagine what they're thinking. Hey, this is the woman that. This woman, she hasn't said a word. Mm. <laughs> this is the woman that should be ashamed. This is the woman that's the reputation of a you know, and now she's telling us that. There's somebody here that uh, if, if, if she's changed over in, in a matter of seconds because of who the, whoever this guy is, we better find out what's going on. Mm. Right, and, and you jump down to verse 39 and it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Wow. He told me all that I ever did, she said. So because of her testimony, many Samaritans came to this Jew. Mm. 
And and it says in verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, with them, and he stayed there two days. <laughs> and many more believed because of his word. Many more believed. So when he took a break in Campbelltown, he stayed with the people for, for a couple of days so he could, you know, he could, and they wanted to hear more. They wanted to say, well, explain to us this place, this, this spirit of, spirit and truth. Teach us what this, what this means. Mm. Right, he said salvation is of the Jews, but now he's teaching Samaritans. Mm. You know, he's he's starting to share. He's starting to he's starting to open up a wedge in sharing with his disciples because he talks with his disciples directly. And he talks to the world. The salvation is of the Jews. However, everyone else is about to to get invited. Mm. <laughs> Everybody else is going to get invited, and it's because of this woman, this one woman. That was, uh, you know, that was uh, trying to avoid the world. She was hurt. She was broken. She was looking for a man <laughs> to satis- satisfy her and make her whole. And you know, they, they, we shouldn't take too much away from her because back in those days, you needed a man to have uh, social status. Yeah. You know, if you're a widow and you have no son, uh, it's maybe a bigger life for you. And, and the fact that she had five husbands. Um probably wasn't her doing it was probably the husband's you know because it was very easy for a husband to divorce a, a woman at that time wasn't it yeah yeah there's a um uh, there's a thing where they where they could just write on a piece of paper to say that um you know they don't want to be this with this woman anymore but but jason i have read mm. somewhere as well that uh, when they did this they actually had to part with some of their possessions or money Right. Okay. So it, it did cost them. Did cost you know? them. So, right. Yeah. So I think of five husbands, five men were willing to, you know, to, to mm. put up that much to get rid of this woman. And um, you know, the, the story. You know, for a lot of people, I know for a lot of people, they could be like this woman. They mm. feel like they've done things and they become things that they, 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 feel, they don't feel like they can turn around and make life different. Mm. And it reminds me of this story, a story in Brazil, and. Um, there's a woman named Maria, and she has a has a daughter named Christina. And Christina, uh, they they both live in a village just outside of Rio de Janeiro. And um, Christina, she grows up, gets into you know in, in her teen years, and she is a fan of um, a great singer, Rio de Janeiro singer and a dancer. And she loves this woman. And she thinks you know I want to be just like her. And as she grows up, she hears all these stories of Rio de Janeiro, what happens there. It's, it's you know, glitz and glamour. Everything happens there. And she wants to be a famous singer and dancer as well. She expresses to her mother, Maria. Maria tries to explain to her, listen, the city life is not for you. You won't be able to handle it. You, know, you don't have a dollar to your name. You, you know, you're just a young girl. Um, you know, all these things that you're thinking about, you're not thinking of, you're not thinking of the what Maria knows is the unthinkable that happens in the dark, <laughs> in the dark in the city, right? Hmm. And despite her uh, her appeals to her daughter, her daughter runs away, <clears throat> goes to Rio de Janeiro. The the mother's distraught. She's thinking, how is my daughter going to survive in a place where, you know, the unthinkable happens? She's just a young girl, and uh, she she just imagines all the dangers she'll have to face. So the mother. Goes to town. She takes her savings with her. Spends most of her savings at a chemist, uh, just asking him to take a black and white photo. And she gets all these little black and white passport photos of herself. And she writes this note on the back of uh, all the photos. And she goes into town. Goes to all the pubs, to all the hotels, to all the places where where she th- and asks, you know, have you seen my daughter? Nobody's seen her daughter. After about a month of trying to 
uh, trying to find her daughter. She eventually goes goes home. You know, no more resources, no more money left. But uh, at every hotel, she posts the picture on the um, on the uh, on the notice board in the in the clubs and the pubs. She puts this, this this picture on the mirrors. And um, about a you know a, about a month later, this daughter's walking down from um, from one of the hotel rooms. And she's worn, she's weary, she's experienced things she'd never thought she'd experience, and she's just trying to make a dollar to survive. And she gets to the foyer, and she sees this photo of a face that looks familiar. And so, so she draws closer to the photo, and then she realizes, oh, that's my mum. And her throat, you know, you know the, the feeling where you just, you, you know, your whole body just changes her throat. Starts to choke up. Um, she feels her her um, her whole body go light, and you know, just shivers down her spine and goosebumps. And she starts to cry. She says, "My mother," you know. And then she uh, takes the takes the photo off the the bill of, of the notice board, and she wants to keep this photo of her mom. And she realizes there's a note at the back, and the note at the back says, "No matter what you've done, no matter what you've become." I want you to come home. Oh, yeah. Amen. And, and I guess, she does. Yeah. And that's, she comes home. That's the, the message uh, in this uh, story as well that we've been reading, isn't it? That, that Jesus is really calling all of those Samaritans, this, this woman at the well, to come home. Amen. We are out of time, David. Uh, we've got that promo, that uh, free book, Logos One. Text in to 0488880891. The uh, book is titled A Real Peace, Real Answers. Now, next week on our program, Monday, next week, what have you got for us, David? We're going to transition from the woman at the well to the man at the pool. Okay. Uh, I should say pool. My Kiwi accent doesn't, yeah, we we miss out the owl at the end. Pool, pool. This is an Australian set. The man at the pool. John. John 5. And uh, tomorrow we've got Gary Webster with uh, The Godless Delusion Beyond Belief. I'm looking forward to that. So I hope that you can join us next Monday with David Leo and also tomorrow with Gary Webster. Until then, be safe and we hope the rest of your day is a good one. Thank you, Jason.